This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. I want to note as we start today's program that I expect this show to be a little different than most. Over the past week, since I was last before this microphone, there have been some interesting developments. I think it's fair to say I've stumbled upon several dozen people who have been contributing to this program over the years. I just wasn't aware of it, and neither were they. We ended last week's show by noting that yours truly was going to go off and join his medical school class for a reunion, in this case, our 30th year. And I think I had more fun doing this than I've had doing anything else that didn't involve disrobing, ingesting something, or maybe using your passport. I've been involved some decades back with, I guess, the most remarkable peer group I've ever had or expect to have. It's not that they were a brilliant group, although they were. To a degree, sometimes it was almost scary. And it's not that they tended to be a talented bunch, although God knows they were that too. And it's not that they were a bunch of saints, because, well, they don't really qualify in that department. But by and large, they were noted for being a good group of people, more often than not with a twinkle in their eye, that, as I say, I'm very grateful to have been associated with. In our second segment today, we're going to take a look back at, uh, well, some interesting people and some interesting anecdotes. At least I think they're interesting, and hopefully you will too. I expect that uh, many of the ears listening to these tales will be uh, some of the participants themselves, and I just want to say, welcome, guys. Believe you me, your contributions to future installments of this program will be highly prized. With any luck, I may be able to secure a few words from our class president, who's actually a Davis physician. I asked our favorite professor to come and join us at the reunion. He was not able to do so because he was in London, but he's been all over the news, uh, evidently, this last week. I expect somewhere along the way Mr. McMillan will filch a couple of clips off of YouTube as a prelude to bringing him on the program, which hopefully we will do sometime in October. And oh, my, my former cohorts, you, you need not worry about uh, being identified on this program. For the next 57 minutes, the names will be changed to protect the innocent. So, let's go back to starting this program the way we usually start all of our programs, with On This Date in History. Our date in question today is the 26th of September. Do want a note from the Almanac? Uh, during the past week, we have transitioned from summer into fall. I do hope you caught the spectacular Harvest Moon last Thursday. Because of the way the sun and the moon line up this time of year, it seems as though you get full moon several nights in a row. And no, I'm not going to try and explain it. I just hope you observed it. It was on September 26th in 1687 that the Parthenon, yes, the iconic Greek temple, was occupied by the Turkish army, which decided to use it as a storage space for explosives. It then took a direct hit from, the, from Venetian artillery and, well, rearranged some of the columns for a while, I guess you might say. Fortunately, it has been restored in the meantime. On September 26th in 1772, the first U.S. law was passed, that was in New Jersey, to license medical practitioners. What a concept, eh? 
On this date in 1902, the American entrepreneur Levi Strauss, yes, the inventor of the blue jeans, passed away. The story is he came to California during the gold rush and was, was asked when he got here if he had some decent pants because the miners were wearing those out while working out in the gold fields. He put together blue jeans constructed from sailcloth, and as you're no doubt aware, they were a big hit. And finally, I would note this is not one of our more eventful days, on September 26th in 1957, American composer Leonard Bernstein's classic musical about star-crossed lovers, West Side Story, had its premiere in New York. It got mixed reviews at first. Mixed reviews? Really? Well, that's Mr. McMillan's favorite musical. In view of today's show's special status, we're going to recycle our quote, quip, and joke of the day. For our quote of the day, we go to Voltaire, who once said, The art of medicine consists of amusing the patient while nature cures the disease. And our quip of the day comes from Fred Allen, who once said, A committee is a group of people who individually can do nothing, but who, as a group, can meet and then decide that nothing can be done. Our joke of the day will be a reissue of our second favorite joke in Radio Parallax history, which is as follows. The members of a shtetl, a Jewish community in what was then Lithuania, decided that they needed to go into Minsk to purchase a cow that would go along with the bull that they already owned. The reasoning was that if they could breed a dairy herd, they could improve their lot in life. But after they returned with the cow, things did not go well. They then called in their rabbi for assistance. The head of the village told the rabbi, We have a problem, rabbi. We have purchased this new cow, but when our bull approaches it from the right, the cow moves to the left. When the bull approaches the cow from the left, it moves to the right. When the bull approaches the cow from the front, it goes backward. And when the bull approaches it from the rear, it then moves forward. I can appreciate the problem, said the rabbi. After pausing for a moment, he turns to the village headman and asks, Let me ask you, did this cow come from Minsk? Surprised, the village headman said, Yes, it did in fact come from Minsk. You are the wisest of rabbis. I must ask you now, how did you even think to ask that question? The rabbi paused, sighed, and said, My wife comes from Minsk. And our bonus quip slash joke of the day comes from Jimmy Fallon's writers, who noted a few days ago, A new study found that leading a healthy lifestyle can reverse the signs of aging, although constantly talking about being a vegan will still take years off other people's lives. Our anecdote of the week is as follows. Apparently one rainy evening back in 1937, industrialist Hibbert Johnson was proudly entertaining guests for dinner in his newly built... Frank Lloyd Wright House in Wisconsin. Suddenly, water that had been seeping through a roof leak started to drip steadily on the bald head of Johnson, who was directly below. He indignantly telephoned Wright in Arizona. Frank, you built this beautiful house for me, he said, and we enjoyed it very much. But I've told you the roof leaks, and right now I'm with some friends and distinguished guests and is leaking right on top of my head. Well, Hib, replied Wright, overheard by the guests, why don't you move your chair? 
Our stat of the day is that on game day, Cowboys Stadium in Texas consumes more electricity, given its air conditioning, massive scoreboard, and other power-sucking amenities, than Liberia, a nation of 3.7 million people. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for maturity. After 2,250 Americans who were asked in a poll to pick an age at which they would live in good health forever found that the average person's favorite age was 50. That might seem pretty weird if you have never turned 50, but if you have, well, I think I understand this one. We might reach a physical peak in our 20s, but there's a lot to be said for experience. It does continue to refine who we are. Right up to the very end, I think, if you're lucky. That's something we might talk a bit about in our second segment. It was, on the other hand, a bad week last week for freedom of speech, with the news that a Florida man was arrested and jailed for protesting his town's red light cameras. Apparently, police in Apopka demanded Mark E. Schmidter's identification, then handcuffed him and charged him with pedestrian violation for handing out pamphlets calling for a public vote on the camera, which he says are a scam to raise money. Said the arresting officer, I asked him if he had a permit to protest the red light camera, and he said no. Which does raise a question. Mr. Millen, do you know if we've obtained a permit to do some of the protesting we do on this show? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. And it was an ugly week last week for, well, racial tolerance, in addition to knowledge of geography, with the news that viewers disappointed by the outcome of the Miss America pageant, took to Twitter to hurl racist insults at Miss New York, who was the newly crowned winner. Evidently, a deluge of tweets called Nina Davoluri, who is Indian-American and born in the USA, an Arab, Miss 9-11, and a terrorist, while complaining that her coronation was anti-American. Well, there's only one word for that. And finally, we're not sure whether this is really a, a good week for, a bad week for, an ug or an ugly week for this item. You can decide that one, dear listener. But apparently, Sly Stone, the one-time leader of Sly and the Family Stone, who after years of reported drug abuse and mental health problems, and at one point I guess he was homeless, he's now recruiting a new backup band to be made up of albinos. Said Sly, my feeling about it is that it could neutralize all the different racial problems. To me, albinos are the most legitimate minority group of all. All races have albinos. Well, you know, once again, that's kind of... All right, a couple items from Medicine and Health. The New York Times reported a couple months back about research being done in several locations, which seems to indicate that feeling nostalgic, often seen as a sign of depression may actually be something that's warding off loneliness and anxiety. Note of the Times last July, wistfully recalling old memories makes people behave more generously and feel closer to their romantic partners. It is curious to note that people are more likely to be nostalgic when it's cold outside. And feeling that way tends to make them feel warmer. 
suggesting a possible reason why nostalgia evolved. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Researcher Tim Wildshut at the University of Southampton in England and cohorts have noted that, uh, well, that nostalgic thoughts are remarkably similar across cultures. They tend to center on memories of being surrounded by close friends at weddings, holidays, and other special moments. It was noted that such bittersweet reminiscences are often triggered by feelings of isolation and are most common among people experiencing a transition, such as young adults moving away from home or old people who've lost a spouse. Researchers at North Dakota State University in the meantime noted that, that despite arising from a sense of loss, nostalgia seems to make us feel better. It brings to mind cherished experiences that assure us we are valued people who have meaningful lives. I think we're going to take the position in this program that nostalgia is good and we should all have a little bit more of it, not just during times of loss. And how about this curious piece from New Scientist magazine? A study that surveyed 70 men who had a child between the ages of 1 and 2 has concluded that the smaller a man's testicles, the more attentive a father he's likely to be. Yes, researchers found that the smaller the man's family jewels, the more likely their wives were to report that they were involved parents, spending a lot of time feeding, diapering, and playing with their toddlers. Brain scans also found that these men found it highly rewarding just to look at their kids' pictures. Researchers say that large testes and a corresponding higher level of testosterone and sperm production may encourage their owners to father as many children as possible, which gives them a certain evolutionary advantage. I'm, I'm having some doubts about this one. But study author James Rilling, who's an anthropologist at Emory University, says that men with smaller testicles may compensate by taking more care with the fewer children they do produce. Of course, we do get into that cause and effect thing. There's speculation that it could be that when men become more involved as caregivers, their testes shrink. And noted CBSNews.com, previous research has evidently also shown that a man's testosterone levels drop if he engages in frequent child care. We encourage more research in this area. We kind of think the jury's just way still out on that one. <laughs> All right, let's pause, take a break, and then come back and talk about what unbelievable fun it can be to get together with people you haven't seen for 20 years. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. By all means, do not go away. You may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. You may find yourself in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife, and you may ask yourself, 